The Paternity Test is a comedy podcast for adults. If you're not a grown-up, get off the internet. It's a horrible place. From Illinois and New York, it's the Paternity Test. This week... Jimmy Fallon ring avulsion, sandbox assault, STD talk with your kids, cookie crisp baseball, and now America's favorite fake radio fathers, here are the dads. Hello and welcome to the second episode of The Paternity Test, where three dads fill in the blanks and try not to fail. I'm Todd Jay in the Chicago suburbs. I'm Matt Barese in Chicago. And I'm Dave Engel in upstate New York. Welcome to the podcast that hopes Jimmy Fallon's finger injury didn't affect his unparalleled comic genius. You guys, I was in Trader Joe's the other day. And if you, uh, Dave, do you have a Trader Joe's near you? We have one. We've got, yeah, kind of. It, it's in a strip mall. I feel like all Trader Joe's are in strip malls. I, we have been in it like twice. It but it's, so it's it's every state. This is a national thing. Okay. I mean, I'm asking. It's a national thing? Question. I mark? think it's a it's an East Coast thing. I mean, okay. I I don't know if it's anywhere else. Well, you know how they have fake conversations with you when you walk up to the counter. Yes. You say like, "Oh, you're buying plum jelly. You should try that with our bread. I put that on my hand the other day and licked it off. It was delicious." <laughs> yes. That's the big difference between Trader Joe's is owned by Aldi's, right? Aren't they the same company? They are the same company. And that's, Frequently, it's the same inventory. God, yeah. that is terrifying. Well, yeah, because it's funny that they're the same company because the last thing anyone at Aldi wants to do is have a conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, because they have to check out, like, crazy robots. Well, plus, they're the, only, yeah, they're the only person in the store. I mean, when you go to an Aldi, there's one person working. They're stocking the shelves. They have to run up to the counter to check you out, and they go back and run the pallet jack again. I also so assume they, that they are doing a lot of math in their head to figure out how they're going to buy food for their own children. Because it doesn't strike me as a place where you make above minimum wage, right? Oh, I don't know. I mean, that, I think that's one of the ways that they can probably pay you a little bit, a bit above because you're the only one there. So <laughs> if they had minimum wage people and the only – if they were the only one in the store and getting paid minimum wage, I don't think they'd charge people for half the stuff. You know, They'd be like, ah, I don't right. care. Go, just, just take it. Just, just take it. Just go. Just go. <laughs> so Trader Joe's is so. So I guess I have a different philosophy. At Trader Joe's. They actually have conversations with you. I've never been to a Trader yeah, Joe's. Yeah, how much they hate it. Because uh, if you recall, I used to work in the in BD's Mongolian Grill. Oh my they god! They oh, yes. you to tell jokes to people as you were hibachi cooking their food. As you were holding, yeah. As you, their raw meat was in front of Matt. Yep. He'd talk as he beat their. Raw meat with a stick. Yes, while I'm trying to not kill them with undercooked meat, and while I'm burning <laughs> off my arm hair into their food, I'm also yeah. forced by corporate policy to tell jokes. So you can imagine how happy I was about it. That was a huge 90s thing, like Cold Stone, when they used to make everyone at Cold Stone oh, sing. sing? Oh. oh. That happened at, what was it, Texas Roadhouse, oh, where yeah. everybody had to dance on the bar, a line dance, uh, or all the... All the uh, 
PJ McWacky's places where they have to be like, <laughs> happy, happy birthday. We don't have the rights to the happy birthday song. Hey. So so Trader Joe's, so, so the employees have to come up with something to say about your uncured bacon ganache bar that you're buying. Yes, they do. They, they have to come up with a conversation I, piece about it. Unfortunately for me, anybody who has a, a, been a longtime listener to the three of us knows that uh, Jimmy Fallon is my kryptonite, right? Like mm-hmm. I dislike nothing more in the world than Jimmy Fallon. Perhaps because I give off in many ways, evidently, a Jimmy Fallon vibe. Like I, <laughs> I look a little bit like Jimmy Fallon, and people constantly want to tell me about Jimmy Fallon. They see me and they go, surely you love Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you all about Jimmy Fallon and how much you're like Jimmy Fallon. When I, I hate nothing in the world more than Jimmy Fallon. So I walk up, and this girl looks at me, and she says, did you hear what happened to Jimmy Fallon? And my heart soared like an eagle. <laughs> On a heat vector, and I thought he died. And then she <laughs> said he hurt his finger a lot. He got his ring caught in a six pack ring, and almost ripped his finger off. Oh my god! Now I don't even know now, now that so, that's what happened. No, they're saying it, it got caught on his countertop. He he tripped on it on a carpet in their kitchen, some woven rug, and went to grab himself on the like went to stop himself on the countertop, and the ring caught on the countertop somehow, and then he suffered a ring avulsion. Uh, see, I caught my ring in my six-pack. I was buying some beer, and I got my Dago pinky ring caught in the six-pack ring. So that's how it came up. So ring avulsion is what happened to him? Yes. Okay. Which I, what and is and what is a ring avulsion? I think it's time to uh, Google it. Not just Google it. Google image it. Google image search for ring. Oh, oh. oh my oh. God. Oh. So oh. I guess it's called a ring avulsion because it always involves a ring. And the avulsion part means to tear away. <laughs> Lord, please, oh I don't ever want to wear a wedding ring. I just oh want to take God. my ring off right now, and oh. I'll just have it tattooed on because I don't ever, ever so want that to happen to me. for rings, and now I think maybe it's time. Oh, I think it is. What oh. we're looking at, so you don't have to. This isn't just a podcast. It's a service. Unless There's you... many pictures of people with their fingers not just ripped off, but like degloved. Peeled. Like the yeah, bone is yeah, still yeah. on the hand, but the meat's gone. I didn't realize fingers oh. were so pointy at the end when you took the skin <laughs> off. I mean, why is this one just an entire hand and wrist ripped off an arm with like tentacles? Well, that, that I right. guess that would that would be like a wrist avulsion. It's torn. Oh, well, <laughs> there's a foot avulsion down here. No, like my the bottom God. part of the foot's taken off. So I, I wonder how bad Jimmy Fallon's was then. He said that he he thought he just broke it, but then turned out that the, he had just about ripped it all off and they had to do microsurgery to reattach it and they reattached it and it was successful and i guess he'll have he doesn't have any feeling in it yet and it'll be like six weeks before he may i still want to know how you get it caught on a countertop to the point where it rips how like, do you catch something on a countertop aren't they yeah. by their very nature flat yeah flat or rounded on the, on the side right i don't know but it, i want to know what really happened here oh Oh God! There's one. It's just the pictures go on forever. They do. I wonder if he caught his finger in Stephen Colbert's eye socket. Oh God! A lot of these pictures where the fingers are torn off, there's a piece of white filament hanging out of the finger, like when you right. eat chicken. Is that a ligament? I think yeah. it's the the twine. It's just you're born with. It keeps everything together. Yeah, like if you if you're to reach back somewhere, you can pull a string and it sucks the finger back on. Right. Some of these pictures look like Hellraiser. Like yeah. completely skinned humans. Does it make you have? Does it make you feel less oh. hatred of Jimmy Fallon, knowing that he went through that? I mean, it's gotta have. You gotta have a little bit of sympathy for this guy, right? As long as it didn't affect his unfunny bone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
he just came back. So he was off the air for a couple of weeks. Well, getting... it happened to line up. He they had canceled one recording, and then it happened to line up with a two week planned hiatus. And oh, so I think I would hate to think that we wouldn't have someone to tell Monica Lewinsky jokes and play ping pong with Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, how's he going to do all those wacky games now? He's got a finger hanging off. Can't ride around on a can't ride around on a you cooler know, an oil scooter. Changing creeper with the Cameron yeah. Diaz. I don't care how you feel about him. You can't feel good about that ring avulsion, though. Oh no! I've <laughs> seen a lot more people wearing silicone wedding rings, and I've got to say that makes me think about it. What do you get out of a silicone wedding ring other than like frosting wipes off of it easily? Well, you it can't rip your finger off. Right, it it, it will break before break. your bone does. Yeah, your see, I have does. a titanium ring, and I remember when I bought it, and it's great because I've had like a sixty-five dollar wedding ring for seven years. Uh, they said the good news is your ring's not going to break. The bad news is if you break your finger underneath it, they'll have to cut your finger off before they can cut the ring off because you can't cut through it. Good thing you went with the titanium then. That that didn't give you pause. You're like, well, can you give me a softer metal? How about a nice <laughs> what white you got like an aluminum. And this is why I think the silico- this silicone ring is big with blue-collar work guys, you know, who uh-huh. uh, firefighters and carpenters. And, and, and now here's this is, this is a good argument for it, that's for sure. Well, I work in musical theater and opera, so if I get my finger caught and say, a bottle of glitter. <laughs> right. Get like a boa tight around it too tight or something. <laughs> hey, folks, you already shop on Amazon. Why not put those dollars to work keeping this show on the air? Do it by using the Amazon portal on the support page at paternitypodcast.com. Just type in what you're looking for. It'll open up an Amazon page. Buy what you want to buy. You don't have to pay extra. You don't have to sign up for anything. And Amazon will send a portion of its profits and will use that money to keep this show on the air. I bought something on Amazon this week. I bought – you guys know what a sand table is? I do. Yeah, uh, this is my wife's idea. She decided that we needed something for the baby to do on the balcony uh, so that if we're cooking or putting away dishes, she can play and we can kind of watch her. So can somebody describe what a sand table is? It's like a sandbox, but not It's a raised sandbox. You stand at it if you're a toddler and it's like at waist high and you could lean over. But, you know, it's a great way to like for kids to stick their hands in sand and then stick their hands in their pants and then bring sand into the house and ruin your life. So uh, you will have sand Certainly everywhere. Certainly ruin the patina of our hardwood floor in the kitchen because yeah. there is a heavy grit being tracked across mm-hmm. our, our, <laughs> yeah. our, our table. Hardwood you're just floor. asking. You're asking for trouble. You're asking uh-huh. for – come on. Who, who? After you go to the beach and how many weeks do you spend cleaning out your car? You find Ugh. sand in your car for weeks and your clothes – you're just inviting it into your house. We've been going to the beach a lot lately because we live on the lake. My car looks like a dune buggy on the inside mm-hmm. right now. Like there are piles <laughs> of sand. You could build a sandcastle just with what you could scoop up with your hands. I hope that the sand table came with a cover because otherwise it will also be a giant litter box for all the rats and squirrels that live in your neighborhood. It does, thankfully. Or, yes, rats, raccoons, hobos. There would be much, much <laughs> droppings. You open the door one morning there's a homeless guy squatting on your <laughs> sand table taking a dump. Do they seek that out? I mean, how did it get into the DNA of cats where they seek out sandboxes to poop in? I think all animals like to bury their poop so there's not poop all around the world, right? Don't all animals I don't think they do it. bury their poop except for birds because birds are worthless? <laughs> I hate birds. If we had a, a podcast that was just about hating birds, I could I could host it every week for the rest of time. <laughs> hating birds with Matt Barese. The biggest problem with our sand table, and in my defense, this was my wife's idea. 
I wanted to nix the sand table, but we were swing dancing at a wedding the other day, and I wasn't leading very well, and she ripped uh, her Achilles tendon and all her ligaments and uh, all her parts out of her ankle. So she's on a walking cast and in a wheelchair and feeling very bad, so I decided not to nix her sand table idea, even though we are on a second-floor condo with a wood-slat balcony. Oh, that's uh, a terrible thing you're doing to other people. You're dropping sand. You know who agrees with you? My downstairs neighbor, who has already left a passive-aggressive note on our deck. Of course he has! (laughs) Deservedly so. Shame on you. Shame on you. There's a name that's running around in my head, and it reminds me of you. Oh, yeah. Hitler! (laughs) (laughs) That's horrible. You're uh, dumping sand onto someone else's head and their deck and their and their plants. Well, he has nothing. Their on drinks. He has nothing on his deck, and I sweep it up after every time she plays. I sweep it up. You go down to his deck and sweep it up. Yeah, because he has no furniture or plants or anything on his deck. Oh, so he's one of those people. Like he's yeah, one of those people. Yeah. Note, not just about our sand, but about water from when we water our plants. He's complaining that water is falling on his outdoor deck. Mm, and I wonder if he use. sent an angry note to the rain. <laughs> 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 Which makes me want to dump more sand because I'm mad at him now and I want to double down on the rudeness. What right. he used to do was buy some yoga mats on Amazon and made a little yoga mat floor underneath the sand table. Oh, I thought you were going to say you were dumping yoga mats on his. <laughs> <laughs> Take <Yeah>. this. <laughs> Hope you like yoga mats, buddy. Yoga mats seem like a. Like overkill. Like, couldn't you have just gotten a gone to the Menards or Home Depot and gotten a little sheet of plywood to lay down or something? I don't know. Well, that that seems like overkill to me. Plywood? Well, whatever, anything that I don't know. Yoga mats. Well, we wanted something that was kid friendly. Plywood could be, you know, scratchy, trippy. <laughs> Whereas a yoga mat, she might relax while she plays in the sand. <laughs> I don't All know right. what I'm going to have to do when I need to clean off the yoga mats and I have to first lift up a 200 pound sand table. <laughs> Right, because my guess, my next question is, how big and heavy is this thing? Because our daughters have a, a water table, which I was going to say maybe go with the water table, but it sounds like this guy is he doesn't want got water a either. Huge stick in his butt. So water table would have been a better idea, I think. You well, can have a water table, Matt. You, know, you just empty your sand table and fill it with water, and then it's a water table. Hey, what do you think? <laughs> And now it's time for Talking to Your Kids. This week, talking to your kids about STDs. Well, Who's got one? See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing we all like to do, it's to talk to our children. And if there's one thing we really all like to do, it's to talk to our kids about sexually transmitted diseases. Mm-hmm. A friend, a close friend of my uh, family, <laughs> a friend of ours, uh, <laughs> called my wife the other day and told her she's got a uh, 13-year-old son. And he came downstairs, and he had this uh, weird look on his face. He was, mm-hmm. you know, he was kind of awkward, and it was just his parents downstairs on the couch. And they're like, what's up, buddy? His name's uh, Kevin. And Kevin's it's like, uh, well, Mom, there's something wrong down there. And oh, I'm wondering if you could have given me an STD when I was born. <laughs> and wow. she's like, what? Like, yeah, I read on the internet that you can get an STD 
from your you mom passed through the birth canal of your mom when you're born and i was just wondering i'm just, I'm just trying to cross out some options oh wow <laughs> like can you imagine can you imagine like I, oh my god say that to your mom like even even if it was a thought right so mm-hmm. her of course her resp- she like kept cool she said and her first response was well no I didn't do that because I don't have any STDs. Maybe you and your dad should go into the bathroom and see what's going on there, buddy. And um, he had, you know, some ingrown hairs. It was ingrown hairs. Was he shaving? Was he manscaping at 13? Is that, is that where the, the, what are they? Are they millennials? No. If you're 13 right now, what are you? You What's after millennials? I think, well, I don't know. Is that the 22nd century? Like, is he, is he going to be young in 2100? He's going to be a Jetson. They're called the Jetsons. If you're Jets- a Jetson, do you manscape at 13? I don't think. No, you don't. I think the thing now is that kids are coming at you with bits and pieces of crazy information. And I guess it's always been that way, right? I mean, kids always sort of approach their parents. If they do approach their parents, they're approaching with disinformation, misinformation. Yeah, but I don't know if the disinformation or misinformation that I would have gotten out of the like six volume time life sex book series in my parents bookshelf would have been quite as crazy as what this kid got from a Google search of STD. <laughs> how many, and you have to consider, you know, how many pictures did he look at and how many, Yeah, think how many ring avulsions he had to look at before exactly. he got the ingrown genital hair. Cause it's not like he was saying, you know what? I think the responsible thing to do would be to look on WebMD. He's not looking on WebMD. He's but he gonna- said, okay, Siri, Right. Google image search swollen private parts. Yeah. Right. And then Google image search worst case scenario. Exactly. <laughs> and let's work backwards from there. And Right, because that's always what the internet does to you. There was a, almost an entire year where I was trying to I was avoiding the fact that I was sure that I had colon cancer when in fact I was just eating too much cheese. <laughs> that's what the internet told me. So he walked up to his mom and asked if she had an STD that Take some brass. Take some serious cool yarns because it, it was one of those things where you, he's going to look back in five years. Wow. I really can't believe I asked my mom that. <laughs> and, then, and yeah, I don't think he's going to be very happy. And I can't wait until he's old enough for me to rib him about it. It's going to be great. Ingrown hairs, I guess they can become infected. I mean, if he was really that concerned, I wonder how bad it got. But funny that you, you jump right to STD. I think that's a fair assumption because if he's in junior high right now, that's when you learn about STDs. And when you learn about STDs, you assume that you have STDs from mm-hmm. using a payphone. Wait, there's no payphones anymore. Using a toilet seat, using mm-hmm. – right? You think you've got an STD. Right. What's really horrifying to me is that he recognized with his mom in the room that he came out of his mother's birth canal. And that is yeah. something that we all deny. Right. You know, immediately upon exiting the birth canal, we all say, okay – I'm putting that away in the deepest lockbox of my brain, mm-hmm. right? And it never comes up again. But this kid acknowledged as, you know, as a preteen or as a teen, I guess, that that's what he came out of. And that's, that's something you don't, you know, you don't write in the Mother's Day card. I came no. out of your stage door. Do you think he did some push-ups or some, some jumping jacks before he came downstairs? Like, how did he prepare for that moment? He had to have taken a big swig of whiskey like you would if you, <laughs> just before you performed surgery on yourself. You know, before you pull a bullet out of your thigh with a with a wrench. He had to drink, so tell me what happened. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the godfather when he's got to tell 
We just got to tell the Godfather that his son is dead. Hey, if you enjoy the Paternity Test, please help us tell other people about it. Subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. The reviews on iTunes are already rolling in. Comedy Mama says, these guys are hilarious. Been a fan for years. Andy C123 says, if these guys can pass the test, there's hope for the rest of us. F-U-O-M. G111PMH578, who is an android who enjoys the show, says, really funny <laughs> and smart podcast that I am glad to have discovered. Can't wait for more. And Nycat Niter says, just as funny as their old show and a lot cleaner, too. Highly recommended. Thanks, everybody who left a review and keep them coming. And now it's time for How to Feed Your Kids. This week, Cereal Talk. Mmm, Cereal Talk. I love some cereal. So I've I've noticed something in my kids. We we usually try to put a big variety of cereals in the house. I love cereal, and uh, the kids do too. Now, we went to college with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your weapon of choice at the time, you put away peanut butter Captain Crunch like it was going out of business. And I, yeah, I, yes, and also the uh, Captain Crunch berries, right? Captain oh, Crunch. the uh, Oops All Berries oops, where all the berries. captain repeatedly forgets to Put the biscuits in the cereal. Yeah, what kind of captain can screw up that many times, you know, and still maintain control of his vessel? It's not how many mistakes you make, Captain. It's how many times you make the same mistake. And he seems right. to forget to Oops. put anything but berries in the sa- in the Oops, box. All berries. So we have, you know, we have some Captain Crunch. We have some shredded wheat. Ellie Ellie leans towards Honey Bunches of Oats, and she likes Fruit Loops too. But to me, like the ultimate cereal treat, the one that in in my childhood, we never were allowed to have in the house was Cookie Crisp. You c- I could not get my parents to buy me a box of Cookie Crisp for anything. Begging, and I think we can all anything. agree why. It's because it has cookie in the name. Even though, with the exception of the shape and the color, I'm sure that it has the exact same nutritional value oh, yeah. or lack thereof as everything else. Yeah, right? It's not like you're opening a bag of Chips Ahoy and dumping it into a bowl and covering it with milk. <laughs> I mean, it's probably not that far off because cereal is so sugary. But if they say, "Oh, you can't have cookie crisp," but you know, we'll get you, we'll get you the the Captain Crunch. I mean, they've got to be exactly the same in terms of sugar. It's right? just a so, bowl full of corn syrup with milk poured yeah. on top. Anyway, you slice it. But, Everything else is just decoration, right? But there was something about because well, you, you can't have like, cookies for breakfast, but you, you can, can have, have cookie, cookie crisp. crisp. That's right, and you could, but I couldn't because my parents wouldn't buy it for me. So anytime that we, we you know, every once in a while if there was if it was on sale or it was like there was an expired box they were selling for fifty cents, you know, we'd get a box of <laughs> of cookie crisp. And it Come was Come on, it's when you stole it. It's and when it, you and your scumbag <laughs> Stager brothers we stole to, a box of cookie crisp. We went to Ben Franklin and shoved a box of cookie crisp down our pants. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here, old man. I wanna see that box whenever you get it home and take it out. <laughs> It's just, it's just like a sweaty mash of cardboard. Half of the colors have leaked onto your leg from the ink. So, so I'm, you know, I'm free and easy with the cookie crisp in our house. Like if if we pass a, a cookie crisp and it's time to buy cereal, I'm throwing one in the cart. Right? Makes it rain. Yeah, I make it rain cookies. Cookies for breakfast, everybody. And my kids don't eat it. I'll go. I'll go into the the, the little. We have a little lazy Susan, you know, in our kitchen where the cereal is stored and. And I go down there, and and the honey bunches of oats are are almost gone, and the shredded wheat is being eaten like crazy, and they're not touching the box of cookie crisp. So I eat it all by myself. I sit there and I eat the entire box. It's about three bowls for me, 
and it's gone. <laughs> um, Do you cry as you're eating it? A tear strolling rolling down your face. Oh, you think oh, about oh. where you've gone wrong. At some point, I guess they're making the right choice, so I shouldn't be that upset about it. But I'm shocked that it's like having a bowl of gummy bears for breakfast. Like, why would you pass it up? <laughs> why would you sit there and scan the cereals and go, hmm, cookies, wheat balls, or whatever, and just pick the wheat balls? I don't know. It's it's just uh, something's wrong there. Are they defying you? Is this a this is my old man cereal? Maybe, so I'm not yeah, eat maybe it? that's it. It's gotta it's, be it. Because I be buy it. it. They don't ask for it. I buy it. And, you know, uh, they're happy with their honey bunches. Ellie goes honey bunches of oats almost exclusively. Really? Yeah. That's like advertised by Harvey Corman and Tim Conway or something, right? Like that is a <laughs> that is something that cleans you out as a cereal, right? <laughs> Have you ever looked at the side of a box of cereal though? I mean, unless you're eating Cheerios. Yeah. They're it's all fairly all close. Garbage. Yeah. The I, I I was surprised to find out how like something that you might consider a healthier cereal is oh, yeah. just as much sugar as as some of the, you know, the cartoony ones. Well, it's not made of vegetables, and it's not made of fish, so presumably mm-hmm. it's not awesome for you to eat, right? Right, right. <laughs> She's eating it because it tastes like sugar. You yeah. know what I mean? She's eating honey bunches of oats because it's dipped in a sugar glaze. But do your kids hate cookies, or do they just hate you? I remember yeah. in high school, I came home with a Harry Connick CD, and my parents were like, you are not going to listen to big band music in this house, young man. Because <laughs> they, they don't want to hear their parents' music. You are going to listen to Frampton Comes Alive and Drop Acid, young man. <laughs> so is that what's happening here? Are they like, you can have your Smedley the Elephant, sir. Yeah. I will be eating bran flakes. <laughs> there's, a, there's a box of booberries sitting on the shelf that, that no, no one's touched since Halloween. I'm on their side. I, I don't, I'm not into the, the super sh- – I mean, if you wouldn't believe it if you took a look at me, but I'm not really into the – box of sugar type of cereal. Mm-hmm. I mean, we used to eat, what was it? Cracklin' Oat Bran. Oh, and wow. Honey Bunches of Oats and Honey Nut Cheerios. How about... Uh, all, all of which will kill you. Oh, what's they the... kill you less fast than a bowl of, of uh, s'more cereal or cinnamon toast crust, right? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, at least there's some fiber in it. At least, it'll, at least you'll poop it out. You won't just hold it in yourself until you die. But you will get diabetes. I mean, you're going to get fat. You're going to be a chubby kid. If, if You know what I mean? How about grape nuts? Did you ever have grape nuts in your house growing up? Grape nuts yeah. is weird because you can put three grape nuts in a bowl. It's like Tribbles. You put one grape nut in a bowl, you pour some milk on it, and then you have more grape nuts than you could ever eat. It's true. I remember being why confused are they called by grape it nuts? my parents made it for me. What, why it wouldn't stop? Well, why it tasted like rocks. Yeah, and it also, sure does taste like rocks. <laughs> you know when they give you something when you're a kid and you're like, you're just confused that there are people on the earth who drink this or eat mm-hmm. this? It's like trying beer when you're seven. And your dad kind of laughs, and and you you know yeah. you make that face, and you're like, I'm never trying this. What is the point at which grape nuts make sense? Because I ain't there yet. Yeah, the, the name grape nuts always threw me off because there's, there's nothing to do with grapes, nothing and it's nothing to do with nuts. Right, Seinfeld. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not grape, and it's not nuts. What is it? He's coming to uh, he's coming to uh, Albany, or no, he's coming to Syracuse soon. And my wife and I just looked at each other and like, nah. You're going to hear all about how crazy it is to fly on an airplane. Don't just stand there tweeting about how Harper Lee's prequel is destroying your childhood. Find us on social media as well. Like our page on Facebook, share our posts, and follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at The Dad Test. 
I was looking at the internet today, and it said that there are several passages that are word for word the same in uh, this new one and To Kill a Mockingbird. Well, sure, because that's I don't understand why people are so upset. So Harper Lee walks into a publisher and says, "Here's my book. Go watch The Watchmen or whatever it's called." <laughs> so go right? set a Watchman. Go this set one. a watch. Is it go, go set a Watchman? Go set a watch. watch. Go set a Watchman. Go to set a watch, man. And she and they say, well, this book kind of stinks. Can you write? But we're interested in the characters. And so she goes back and she writes to kill a mockingbird. And like, go set a watch, man, is about how <laughs> a chick has a dad who's a racist, but she didn't know he was a racist. <clears throat> so she goes back and writes the story about the dad in her childhood who's not a racist. And that's Atticus Finch, our like natural or mm-hmm. national fictional hero, right? Right. So now people are reading her failed manuscript which she absolutely did not want published so people waited until she was in a home and couldn't stop them like was too weak to physically get out of the bed and stop them from publishing it and they published this book and everybody's like wait Atticus Finch is a racist wait Gregory Peck hates black people and everyone's upset but I think that this book is not canon like she didn't publish this book so this Mm -hmm. book doesn't undo to kill a mockingbird right or does it? I have read the book. Are they, they, are, they are the same characters, though, correct? Yes, yeah. but she never had this published, and therefore this is just some ideas she had that she didn't choose to follow through with. I, so, I think you have to look at it like fan fiction, right? I mean, seriously. I'm assuming you just have to say, well, yeah, it's not canon. It's, it's basically the fantasy of some publisher right. who wants to make money. People are in paroxysms of grief because they are saying that if you can't believe in Atticus Finch, who mm-hmm. can you believe in? And this book tells us that Atticus Finch was a racist. But this book doesn't exist. This book is fake. This book was swept up off the floor of Harper Lee's room in a nursing home, right? Yeah. I guess the the Times said there might be another one in there, too. Come on. Yeah. He's a grand wizard in that one. Hey, send us a question or a comment for the paternity test mailbag. Just email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at our new phone number, 657-BAD-DADS. Do you know that one time I parked Gregory Peck's car? Why? Really? I felt like a better person afterwards because I felt as though by parking the car of a person who had played Atticus Finch, I'd become a better American. (laughs) (laughs) Why'd you park his car? Uh, he gives a Kennedy Center event, and like my job oh, was to park the cars of the your, dignitaries yeah. that have arrived. Here's an email from listener Jack responding to our request for information on why millennials love SpongeBob so much. And Jack writes, "Hi, bad dads. Millennials like the SpongeBob cartoon for several reasons. The main reason was the writing. The original director, Steven Hillenburg, this guy is deep with SpongeBob. I got to tell you, yeah, wanted yeah. to write a show for Adult Swim, but eventually things worked out differently." And the writers were not entirely writing the show for children, but for themselves, which is why it isn't condescending like most cartoons and also carries a lot of uh, other baggage like the hyper-detailed close-ups of Ren and Stimpy, the slapstick of Hanna-Barbera, combined with a good amount of variety in setting, plot, and characters. He then goes on to say, uh, after the movie in 2004, Hillenburg stopped being in charge, so there's been a drop in the quality of the show. So he, so this, our fan Jack, who is a millennial, says, I don't recommend anything after 2004-5. People refer to those later episodes as post-movie episodes, and they aren't widely liked, like 1999, 
2004. Anyway, just thought I'd help some, shed some light on why people like SpongeBob so much. So he's saying it's subversive and crazy like Ren and Stimpy. Oh, and, and when you think about what else was available at that time, it probably was, especially if you're like an eight-year-old kid, nine-year-old kid, your alternatives are probably too babyish for you. It's like you're not going to watch Barney at that point. You're not going to, you know, so what? what oh, yeah, it was a, that was a dark time. That was Barney and And there really Dora, wasn't like, those. You really didn't have those Hanna-Barbera type of stuff that we watched on Saturday mornings available anymore. You know, they they weren't making new cartoons still, I don't think. And what so, were they making then? They had to be making know. something. I don't know. Maybe some Scooby-Doo still. It was a weird time because it, it was kind of after being with some butthead and, and Stimpy, but before Family maybe Guy. Too. Maybe they maybe they lived in a weirdly sanitized era. Maybe the millennials grew up in a dark time because we had – that's what confuses me. Certainly SpongeBob is subversive enough that none of us will show it to our kids because it's clearly not for kids. Right. But why we as Gen Xers don't like it is that it came after stuff that was cooler and more subversive. So I don't get SpongeBob because it's less subversive than Ren and Stimpy. So why would you follow Ren and Stimpy with a watered-down Ren and Stimpy? But right. they didn't have Ren and Stimpy, nor did they have quality kid stuff like there is now. They didn't have Doc McStuffins or Sid the Science Kid. This was post the 30-minute toy commercials that we grew up on in the Reagan era, like the G.I. Joe Transformers Thundercats. It's before quality kid stuff like Doc and yeah. Sid and whatever it is now, and they yeah. just lived in this nadir, this wasteland of what? Captain Planet? That or, or the little kid stuff. You were either stuck with Teletubbies or Barney. So uh, That's bad stuff. So you switched over and, and to SpongeBob. So I could see, yeah. see why they're fans of it. It just, it just wasn't, our, wasn't our era. It wasn't, wasn't our time. It wasn't our time. It was their I've time. never felt sorry for millennials before, but now I do. Yeah. Barney seriously. and Teletubbies? That's a terrible way to grow up. I do listen to some of my students in class, and they'll say, hey, remember this or that? And they'll be talking about something they watched, you know, in 2003. And I I do feel for them because it doesn't – it never sounds as poignant or as uh, dark or brooding or – because everything that we watched in the 80s and even the early 90s was really meant for adults, and they just pared it down a little bit for kids. Mm-hmm. It's why – it's how, like, RoboCop – has action figures for kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they would make, like they would take a movie for adults. An already they, movie full of gore. So then what do they do? They put the movie out and then they make toys that parents will buy for their kids. And that, I don't think, I don't see that as uh, a part of the culture anymore. Um, I don't see that it hurt us. I just think it was bizarre and weird and, dark and amazing it's an interesting thing the way youth keeps changing even in the last 25 years if you read about sort of the history of mankind before literacy before before the printing press and before widespread literacy there was no such thing as childhood you were a baby and then as soon as you could work a punch press you like went into a factory right Right. Adolescence is 100, 150 years old tops. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And then there became this notion of you have to learn how to read and do math and stuff because there were jobs besides menial jobs. Right. Uh, and then adolescence was, was born. But it, we live in a very different time than the millennials because media-wise, there was nothing to fill the television. So when we would turn on the television, we'd watch shows from the 50s because there were, wasn't enough stuff to fill the TV. Right. So we would watch adult shows from the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. as kids shows. So they would say, okay, I guess uh, I don't know what you guys can watch. Your parents are all at work and you're 
at home with those shoes with a zipper on the side with the house key in it. So I guess go watch a uh, I Love Lucy and Gilligan's Island, which was an adult show from 20 years prior. Our depth of field is shrinking in terms of pop culture. How far back someone now who's 16 or 17 can look back, their depth of field is much shorter, I feel like, than it was for a 17-year-old. Oh, even my ago. college kids don't seem to know much be- outside of their actual memory. Because yeah. it's full. Like the pop culture is full. The channels are full. The music is full. They have never had to listen to anything from even one second before they were born. Well, that <laughs> one second, one second of anything they don't want to because there's so much out there that you can immediately find that you will enjoy. You don't have to look very far. And the idea that 30 years ago, uh, a trend would stick around for a while. A song would stick around for a while. And now they just sort of fade into the distance. 1987, Dirty Dancing was a big movie for a year. A year! Oh, right, because it wasn't a whole new set of movies every Friday. Right. It was, you might see a movie in the theater that came out two months prior if it was a hit. Right. Back uh-huh. to the Future was big for 12 months. You know, and it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't just the Star Wars and the Batmans and things like that. It was family-friendly stuff or adult datey stuff that would be, you know, be a box office craze because, you know, when Harry Met Sally come out, there was no other When Harry Met Sally ever. They were still kind of writing the formula a little bit, in the, by, you know, in, into the late 80s. It's it's definitely now they're just going to do a remake of When Harry Met Sally. Like everything is a is a reboot of a movie from twenty years ago. Right, because current people who are now developing disposable income don't want to see anything from outside of their immediate memory. They're talking about Goonies Goonies two with the entire original cast. Oh, I'd watch the heck out of that. Everybody's on board. They said the entire original cast are doing Goonies two. Mom, who's been dead for twenty five (laughs) years, she probably they'll probably write her out of it. I can't wait um, for Throw Mama from the Train to. <laughs> <laughs> like Weekend of Bernie's. Wait, are you serious? They're making that, or is that a, a joke at my expense? But yeah, th- th- that's been uh, it's been out there on social media for a while now that they're going to do Goonies two, and that the entire original cast is on board, the living ones at least. Are there any dead kids in that? That was the living Corey, not the dead Corey, right? Yeah. It's the... Yes. How's Chunk? Chunk? He's like a real estate guy in L.A. or something. Well, then right his, his ship just came in. Right? So I think I think a lot of ships came in with that. You've got the kid from uh, Temple of Doom, right? Isn't he in that? Is so- Short Round in Short that? Short Round. I think so. I hope it doesn't make me racist if uh, I'm wrong about that. But I think he is in both films. I believe you're right. Whatever, racist. Hey, Jack leaves us one fun fact. He says there was once an episode of SpongeBob that ended with the whole cast saying something along the lines of, Come visit us anytime. And naturally, a kid jumped off a cruise boat in order to go see SpongeBob and his friends, and they don't play that episode anymore. Is that true? Well, I looked this up on Snopes, and it said that it's false. It was just a rumor that got started around 2002 via email, back when everyone believed all those chain mails you would get in email about... Uh, Floor this. polish causes Alzheimer's in cats. Yes. So Snopes says no. I have seen one or two other places saying, yeah, it really did happen, but according to Snopes, it's just rumor. That's your go-to? Snopes? No. Floor polish causes Alzheimer's in oh. cats. <laughs> you don't remember that? No. I feel like that was the first thing that when uh, when like our moms got email. First thing we got was a panicked message like, oh, you guys, floor polish causes Alzheimer's in cats. Like there was also rumors that the Superman TV show made kids like jump out of windows and attempt, you know, attempting to fly. 
Beavis and Butthead inspired you set fire to your trailer. Yeah, Beavis and Butthead inspired you to set fire to your trailer. Bill Gates would give you $100 if you forwarded this message. Sure. And Home Depot is offering a $100 off coupon on a $120 purchase if you just share this photo. Osama bin Laden really ruined a lot of fun. Like the 90s were such a carefree, hey, you know what? We're going to trick people into thinking that your cat's going to get Alzheimer's. I don't feel like any of that stuff happened after 2001, right? If there's one thing I'm mad yeah. at Osama bin Laden about, it's that. Right. And now it's time for things that go bump in the night in greasy costumed ne'er-do-wells. It's time for scary clowns and filthy Elmos. And I have some scary clowns and filthy Elmos again this week. Uh, last week I talked about the filthy Leonardo and SpongeBob selling vape <laughs> equipment in my neighborhood. If you're a longtime listener, you know that my house is built on a hellmouth and that my daughter, who is three, has always talked to a little dead boy named Caleb. And of that course. our basement, which uh, contains the spirit of the Korean witch doctor lady who sold us our house, also had a door that appeared in our basement that no one in the house recognized until it appeared. And we all agreed that the door appeared out of nowhere and that we occasionally have carpets of dead flies that appear mm -hmm. in the house in addition to little dead boys and witch doctor ghosts. And now I have evidently chosen to willfully haunt the house because some former students of mine, some former college students of mine, got together and bought me as a cast gift for a show I directed a ventriloquist dummy. And what's scarier than ventriloquist dummies? Nothing. Haunted Nothing. ventriloquist dummies. Haunted ventriloquist dummies, yes. And this one is assuredly haunted because this is a Carol Channing ventriloquist dummy. But she's still wow. alive. <laughs> so who's it? it might actually be Carol Channing because I'm, I'm imagining there's a fine line at this point between a ventriloquist dummy of Carol Channing and the actual Carol Channing. Her mouth seems to move in the same fashion. Right. I had told for years, I told my musical theater history courses that if they ever bought, for some reason, someone decided to design and sell uh, a ventriloquist dummy of Ch Carol Channing. I said, if anyone ever bought that for me, I would do an entire lecture with the dummy. And so finally, enough of my uh, students, former students, got together and, and got me this that I now am the proud owner of this horrifying ventriloquist dummy. So I brought it home and I've, I've put it in my Facebook and got really excited about this thing. And my wife has decided that I'm not allowed to bring it into the house. She wants me to just drive it around in my car until such time as it kills me or I kill it. But she doesn't want it in the house because it's too scary. What do you think? Should I? Can we give an example to people who maybe aren't as familiar with Carol Channing? Just sure. So this is an, this is she's ninety something now, but she was a Broadway star in the '60s, and she originated the role of Dolly Levi in Hello Dolly and Lorelai Lee in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, and of course was the White Queen in everyone's favorite '80s jam, the 1985 CBS miniseries of Alice in Wonderland. So just imagine this voice coming out of a ventriloquist dummy in Matt's house at night. The rule is, jam tomorrow, jam yesterday. But never jam today. It must come sometimes to jam today. No, it can't. It's jam every other day. Today isn't any other day, you know. Jam tomorrow, jam yesterday. But never ever jam today. I said, jam tomorrow, jam yesterday. But never ever jam today. You can reach as you want. You can want as you wish. Still, you better hear me say. 
and she kind of she kind of dances like a puppet also. It's the way the she arms seem to be arms. on sticks or strings. Yeah, she's a lot like watching Kermit dance when Kermit like flails his arms when he introduces someone on the old Muppet Show. Yeah, our friend Johnny Highrent said to me one day that the the key to impersonating Carol Channing is that Carol Channing's voice sounds like it is on a record that is being turned from high speed to low speeds rapidly. And and that's very true when you listen to that clip, because she says, Today isn't every, any other day. It's jam every other day. <laughs> yesterday, but never ever drunk. <laughs> Who walked up to her and said, Say, you ought to be on Broadway, young lady. What this country needs is that voice. Please, we want to make you one of the most famous people in American history. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter, I was really afraid to have, I had actually hidden the doll in my car, afraid my daughter would see it. And of course, if you hide something from your child, they will inevitably find it, which is why children shoot themselves with your guns, right? Yeah. Worse than finding a handgun, she found my Carol Channing ventriloquist dummy. Oh. And I was very afraid of ventriloquist dummies as a kid. That was actually my fear jam because someone had bought me a... Charlie McCarthy doll oh, yeah. as a kid, which is the, really, that's the template for scary ventriloquist dummies, right? The story as my parents tell it is that I left the Charlie McCarthy doll lying about all the time, and I left it on my bedroom floor, and then a thunderstorm happened, and terrified of the thunderstorm, I leapt out of bed to run to my parents' bed, tripped on the ventriloquist dummy, and landed on it sort of face-to-face, and when my parents came to my bedroom because they heard my screams... And they turned the light on. I was in the room, you know, lit by thunder and lightning, wrestling on the floor with the Charlie McCarthy doll. Wow. <laughs> uh, and so for several years, I, you know, and I demanded that it be decapitated and burned <laughs> 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 and couldn't deal with ventriloquist dummies for quite some time thereafter. So I didn't want my kid to see it. But when she saw it, she thought nothing of it. She calls it Carol. She wants to do shtick with it. You know, she wants to sit there and act out the Jam Tomorrow scene. It's because she hasn't heard... Well, she heard the real Carol Channing? No, only me pretending. Oh, well, that just sounds like a funny voice. If you see a real human have that voice, it's terrifying. Do you live in Chicagoland and have hands to turn pages and eyeballs to look at the interwebs? Catch my monthly column, Viva Daddy, in Chicago Parent Magazine and read our paternity test blog every week at chicagoparent.com. This week on Being Shirtless at 40. And now it's time for Awkward Moments. I enjoyed having daughters for the first three and a half years because uh, because there was no femininity involved. And I expected that to come into play when they were, I don't know, 12 or 13. Guys start playing with trucks when they're six months old and girls start playing with dolls when they're six months old. And I know I'm making some generalities here, but I think it's a fair generality to make on average. And... Two things have started happening that have begun to make me a little uncomfortable. And one of them is that they're wearing, well, first of all, they're wearing dresses all summer. They insist on wearing, you know, these light, summery, sleeveless dresses, which is gorgeous. They're beautiful. They're putting their hair in ponytails for the first time. Uh, so they're these cute, adorable little things. But it's kind of the first time that they wear dresses without shorts and so they're wearing so their underwear is always showing ah so there are no bloomers there are no no bloomers, bankies. Are, this bloomers is panties and dress are uh-huh. you kidding me they're grown women they're three and a half years old and so you're you always see their underwear and it 
at moments it will strike me as cute and adorable, but then I get, I, I, I can't handle it. Like I get irritated, frustrated and not irritated, but it's unsettling that, that part of the father that wants to protect their daughter kicks in, in a really unrational, irrational, unrealistic sort of way. Right. And I want to throw a blanket around them and carry them into the house. And there's no way around it because, you know, my wife uh, takes care of kids all day long other than our own. Well, including our own. And so there's boys, girls, you know, six, you know, anywhere from six to 27 kids in our house at one time. And there's tons of kids in the backyard and my daughters will throw themselves on the ground and their, you know, their heels go over their heads and their, you know, underwear's hanging out. And it's just, <laughs> I, I guess it, it is adorable, but it frustrates me. The thing that bothers me the most is when my daughters get embarrassed, mm -hmm. they will grab the bottom of their dress <laughs> and pull it up over their head. Sure, they don't want you to see their face. Right. So they flash you their So they crotch. flash you their boobs <laughs> and their crotch in, in, like Nell would, right? Oh. As she dances around the bar. <laughs> and right. so... Tay in the wind, Mrs. Chickapee. Tay in the wind. And uh, that's what really disturbs me. And my wife and I will say that's inappropriate. You put your dress down. And so now my daughters, anything that anyone does, they will say, that's inappropriate. <laughs> uh, please, uh, could you maybe this... clean that milk back? That's inappropriate. <laughs> maybe this segment should have been called Tattoos and Nose Rings. This could lead if you if you keep keep kind of shaming them for accidentally exposing themselves. themselves that uh, eventually they'll latch well, on in... It's hard to explain to them why things are inappropriate <laughs> when you realize that you're in this dogmatic, nonsensical place of societal norms and i'm yeah, to totally the the i mean let's, let's not pretend i'm trying to smash the patriarchy like i'm completely on board with societal norms they generally work in my favor but it's hard to explain to uh viva said to me yesterday or said to my wife and i like boys are naked on their chest when they go to the beach but girls wear swimsuits and she was proud of herself because mm -hmm. she knew how it worked but like why, why? does that work like yeah. that i don't know i was horrified because i went to boobs because boobs, that's why. Even though, but she doesn't have boobs, so why is mm -hmm. it not okay for her? I went to her uh, hippy-dippy co-op preschool the other day to pick her up, and we'd put her in a new swimsuit that was a little too big. So when I got there, her nipples were hanging out because her top, <laughs> the straps on her top were yeah. too long. I immediately and, drove to a store and bought more swimsuits. And that, who cares right? at that age? Like, honestly. Right. Like, I, I see that, and I start punching the, the side of my car door with my fist. I, I, I've had the same thing happen, and I I lost my mind because I'm like, all the other parents have judged me. I have this white trash piece of garbage who sent his kid with her nipples hanging out. To Prostituting school. my daughter. Yeah. Right. But if anyone was turned on by that, you got way bigger issues than yeah. your daughter's swimsuit, you know? I think right, it's also those are the people I'm worried about, even though those mm -hmm. people are a tenth of a percent. Right? You know what I mean? Like, I, it, I, I get... Way out of the rational world. Yeah. Right. Well, fast forward a few years to my nine-year-old girl oh, who wears way too many what I would call – I mean, she's nine, so she doesn't wear, like, skimpy clothes. But she likes – she's gotten into these – she went to a volleyball camp, and all the girls were wearing, like, volleyball shorts, which are, like, tight, short, almost like board a spandex shorts, shorts, boy shorts. Shorts, right. yeah. And uh, so that's what she's been, you know, wanting to wear all summer. And I really feel like – there's times we're going somewhere. I'm like, don't you have something that is larger than that? <laughs> something to wear that <laughs> covers more? Well, I've talked to parents of kids about her age and a little bit older, and the, 
I think the frustrating thing that's happening now is that a lot of times parents have a hard time finding clothes that aren't skin tight on their 11 year old or nine year old mm-hmm. or that aren't, you know, yeah, the, I guess it's so like, right now they don't feel they have the options at the store. In. Yeah. You go to the store and that's right. what it all is. Right. And, uh, I've seen, I've seen things on, uh, on the internet where they compare, like, let's get a, a pair of shorts for a girl and a pair of shorts for that age. And this clothes are so much smaller, you know, a pair of shorts for a boy and a pair of shorts for a girl both for like six or seven year olds and the girl shorts are teeny tiny, barely cover anything shorts. Right. And I just give them normal shorts. Uh, I am struggling with, you know, your girls are voluntarily, you know, lifting dresses over their head. Whereas my (laughs) daughter is just trying to dress like everyone else. And it's, it's not enough clothes. No. And I feel like what a hundred years ago, you'd have dressed like a five year old until you were 18. Right. Mm -hmm. Now it's, you dress like a, 25-year-old when you're five. There used to be a uniform for kids. Like you wore a dress until you, boy or girl until mm-hmm. you were like four, right? Uh-huh. And then you wore knickers until you were a teenager, right? And now you wear blousy sorority girl clothes when you're mm-hmm. three. Right. And by the way, so do 35 and 45-year-olds. And, so, and guys, 50-year-old guys dress like they're 12-year-old boys. I mean, well, hey, 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 hey. I, as you know, I, I am a fashion plate, and I am usually dress like a 12-year-old girl. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> and so we've homogenized in some really crazy ways. We all have daughters, so how do we get our daughters to dress more modestly as they get older without shaming them? You know, of course, because everyone says – don't shame your daughters for what they wear. Shame the people who say that it's too sexy. Besides, just lock them in a closet until they're eighteen. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm not there yet. For me, I just need to get a roll of duct tape for my daughters so their dress can't come up over their you know <laughs> neck anymore. Need, we a... do a lot of uh, what do you call it? Like little bloomery things that go over your panties that are just mm-hmm. a second pair of panties, basically. Yeah, I think that needs to happen. You could do that. Um, no age, sense logically. No, but it like at least relieves my agita when she flips mm-hmm. upside down at the park. Maybe her... all the you just need belts on all the dresses. Yeah, obviously you're going to have some kind of like you said bloomers. <laughs> bloomers. It's some. Are we really wearing bloomers anymore? Is that a thing? <laughs> well, our daughters wore bloomers until they were about two, and then we yeah somehow we magically got into underwear. Looks uh, great under your hoop skirt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, folks, it's time for another episode of The Paternity Test to make our kids compete for our affections. Follow us on Twitter at The Dad Test, like us on Facebook, and visit our website, paternitypodcast.com, or email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com. Catch us Tuesdays at chicagoparent.com. Call our voicemail at 657-BAD-DADS. Tell your friends about the show. If you'd like to support the show by throwing money at us, we fixed the donation link at paternitypodcast.com. All right, everybody, remember, if your teenage son is willing to bring up your birth canal, then he must really be concerned about his ingrown hair. And until next time, best of luck passing the paternity test. (laughs) 